In these lessons, I will attempt to penetrate your mind. You will attempt to resist. Prepare yourself. You two better change into robes. I expect we'll be arriving soon. Boys and girls, welcome back to Pot Hats, the pot of podcast family. Okay, hey guys, it's uh, it's me, it's Jack O'Shea. <laughs> With me as always, Jack Newhouse. Jackie, baby, how we doing, baby? Alive and well. I always like the Australian accents, though. I, don't, I never know how to start these. Our poor podcast, Henry, starts with uh, the high, high, high. I can't <laughs> seem to get a... <laughs> Like an opening catchphrase. I just can't seem to find one. And there's not like a Harry Potter real reference that I wouldn't think is like a little bit forced. Um, but here we are. Ready for uh, chapter 13, Nicholas Flamel? Nicholas Flamel, as we enter uh, kind of the forgotten uh, part of the book in the movie. Yeah. I, yeah. This, these are kind of the chapters that uh, I didn't quite get to see as a uh, just a movie watcher. If you can't tell uh, from our strained voices and from the fact that we missed the... Uh, Last Thursday and last Tuesday podcast, this is uh, Jack and I have fallen on some hard times. We, we are both <laughs> probably still hungover despite not having drinking yesterday. I didn't drink yesterday. Did you drink yesterday? No, not at all. Are you kidding me? I've been on recovery mode since 8 p.m. Saturday. We're a little worse for wear, uh, but we are we are you know pushing forward like the Hufflepuffs that we are. Um, <laughs> before we uh, get going, any business to take y- care of? Absolutely. We've got Bryce's corrections um, from our last chapter, chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised. Uh, so he pretty much uh, was complimentary of the whole thing. A couple things that he uh, talked about, I'm going to just break them down into mm-hmm. two general categories. Uh, he talked about Christianity in the magical world and the invisibility cloak. Some things he added in about Christianity in the magical world. And Jack, you actually touched on a ton of this. Mm. Uh, but the Fat Friar uh, was Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore owned a Christian Bible. Mm-hmm. Both Ariana and Kendra Dumbledore and Lily and James Potter have Bible verses on their tombstones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lily and James is Matthew 6.21 mm-hmm. and uh, James is, is 1 Corinthians 15.26 respectively. Uh, Durmstrang's coat of arms has an onion dome, which is architectural decoration seen on Russian Orthodox churches. Uh, so it can be assumed some of the Durmstrang students uh, are members of said church. St. Mungo's was named after healer Mungo Bongham. Mungo or Bonham? Bonham. Mungo Bonham. Mungo Bonham could have been named after St. Mungo, a.k.a. St. Kentigern, the patron saint of Glasgow. Who is this Bryce guy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He is just a wealth of information. Yeah. <laughs> and he's getting promotions at work. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't I get, get why. <laughs> the guy takes his job freaking seriously. Here comes the invisibility cloak. The cloak of invisibility is resistant to jinxes, hexes, and other spells which would normally damage or otherwise render a normal invisibility cloak ineffective. It has also remained completely effective throughout its long existence of around seven centuries, Mm -hmm. unlike the other's cloaks which lose their power over time. Even the thief's downfall did not affect it. The cloak of invisibility was passed down to Ignotus's son. Ignotus's son had no male heirs, so his oldest daughter, Lalanth, or however the Mm-hmm. After you say that name, inherited it instead. The Purple family did not uh, have a male line around this time, but the heirloom was passed down through generations through the female line. The Potters, as uh, whatever that girl's name is. It was passed is. down through the Potters. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the invisibility cloak. I never noticed, Bryce, I never noticed that uh, you're totally right. When they went through the Thief's downfall in uh, book seven, I never put together that the invisibility cloak lost it's uh it's luster which so, is pretty unbelievable because yeah. in the very first uh thing uh they bring that up it's uh the whatever the the thief's downfall it, be, be, it yeah because gets in, rid of all charms in 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 theory uh it would it would because it would be a it's like a a charmed 
uh, you know, piece of material, but but it didn't. So it's clearly a little something more than that. Maybe made by death. Maybe made by Dumbledore, who is death. I still would love to hear Bryce's opinion on that. <laughs> did you write anything about that? On which what? Dumbledore being death. Uh, no, we did not. I would love to hear his opinion on that. Brycey boy, write in. Tell us, tell us your thoughts. Unless you don't want to. Again, you're <laughs> like a, you know, you're, you're getting promotions and you got like kids. God, look at your guy, Bryce. Okay. <laughs> Hit me with that summary. Take Hit you with the summary. Okay. So here we are. Chapter 13. Nicholas Flamel. <laughs> Dumbledore had convinced Harry not to go looking for the mirror of Era's head again. And for the rest of Christmas holidays, the invisibility cloak stayed folded at the bottom of his trunk. Harry wished he could forget what he'd seen in the mirror as easily, but he couldn't. He started having nightmares. Over and over again, he dreamed about his parents disappearing in a flash of green light while a high voice cackled with laughter. It's a tough reoccurring stress nightmare to be yeah. dealing with. Issues. I don't know if I have any reoccurring dreams. <laughs> But I, I'm definitely, I can see why some people would be like, they mean something. Probably means that you're thinking about it. Okay. So Harry's Quidditch practice schedule picks up after Christmas break, and he learns that none other than Professor Snape will be refing the next Quidditch match. Neville Bunny hops by the gang, telling them that Malfoy has locked his legs together. A hilarious but very mean prank. Harry tells Neville that he needs to stand up to Malfoy, and in exchange for this sage but obvious advice, Neville gives Harry a chocolate frog card. Just like that. <laughs> this strikes a chord for Harry. He remembers where he saw the name Nicholas Femel originally. It was on Dumbledore's chocolate frog card. How could he forget? What an idiot. Hermione does some nerd stuff and finds out that Flamel was Dumbledore's partner and is the only wizard who ever made the Sorcerer's Stone. Using deductive reasoning, Harry and co. make the case that the three-headed dog is guarding the stone. Good logic there, fellas. <laughs> In the Quidditch match, Harry catches the snitch within the, within, uh, the first five minutes. After the match... He sees Snape heading to the, into the Forbidden Forest. Boldly, flying on his broom, Harry follows Snape to find him talking to Quirrell about the stone. Man, this is a hard podcast of me just like tripping over words. <laughs> if you could see what's going on in my in my head, it's like if usually there's like a board meeting, just sort of like crunching numbers. There's like two stone security guards <laughs> working the late shift in my head right now. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so that was the chapter. That Again, was the chapter. You know, not, not a, uh, you know, Super, I guess it's a little plot driving, but not a super informative chapter, but we're going to cover it nonetheless. It is one of the 17 chapters, therefore we will do it. Having said that, uh, this entire chapter is pretty much withheld from the movies. So that's probably a good movie difference. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to, I'd like to believe then it probably, most of this content, though great, mm -hmm. isn't super relevant to it, the overall story. It isn't really. So here's some of the movie differences. Uh, in the movie, uh, all the key information you'd hope to get accomplished is basically done in a 30-second scene in the library. Hermione comes in, slams a giant Nicholas book Flamel. down. Yeah. Uh, so some stuff you brought up. Harry's having nightmares about his parents being killed. We never see that. Uh, Malfoy using the leg locker curse on Neville. We never see that in the movies. Um, in the movies, uh, like I just said, Hermione smacks the big textbook. As you alluded to, it happens because of Neville and the card, and then Hermione goes and gets her book. Mm -hmm. The light reading joke is made in both movie and book. Mm, Thank you. Reading. Thank God that one made the movie. Cause and it's better in the movie because she drops the super heavy book. Heavy he Light reading? Heavy, <laughs> heavy book. Heavy book. Yeah. Well, there you go. Can you imagine what heavy reading is for her? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> uh, the entire Quidditch match, Snape is a Quidditch referee. All that stuff does not happen. Uh, it's kind of a hilarious image when you think about it. Of just Snape or Alan Rickman or anybody, just any kind of potions master up on a bloomstick yeah. officiating a sporting event. 
Um, Get back to potions, guy. And then the conversation between Snape and Quirrell, uh, that is the one that basically happens in the hallway when Harry's wearing um, the invisibility cloak in the movie, where it's like, tell me where your allegiances lie, Quirrell. And obviously you read that as Snape's the bad guy. To be found out later. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just start getting into it. Casting questions. We've been talking about Nicholas Flamel a lot because he keeps mm-hmm. getting brought up. And you and I, both knowing the story, know better that he's important. Uh, but I've been waiting till now to fully discuss him. Can we? Let's just do a full bio on this guy. He's 665 years old. What is he and Albus's relationship like? What makes this man tick? Why is he still doing it? So Nicholas Flamel is, if I'm not mistaken, they definitely reference some, you know, real celebrities and famous people in you know the UK throughout the series. But he's the only person in the story, only substantial figure in the story, who's a real person. I mean, he's obviously not so, real in many ways, but he's based on a real guy. There's a guy, Nicholas Fumel, who has like his own Wikipedia page outside of Harry Potter. And I, I think that there's been other like myths and stuff that he's involved in as well. Yeah. So I actually stumbled down a little bit of that. He was actually in alchemy and all that shit. So it's, and he's been referenced in other books. I, I was making the thumbnail, just popped in Nicholas Fumel into Google. And yeah. the Harry Potter Nicholas Fumel is like the fourth guy to come up. Like, it's I wouldn't be surprised if we found out, like, oh, yeah, like, Nicholas Cage played him in a movie or something like yeah. that. Like he's like a like a mythological character that I mean I know that in the I think it's he's bigger in the UK than in the US. We obviously don't know who he is, but I think mm-hmm. Nicholas Flamel in the UK is like I, I like kind of Paul Bunyany yeah. for for us. Where it's like, oh, I've heard he's, you know, get the big ass cow. You know what I mean? <laughs> but there is like something like I think uh there was something in alchemy that he discovered where mm-hmm. basically it was like something in, that uh, they attributed to him in like the 1200s and something like hundreds of years later, where it's like the thought is how is that could have been possible? I don't know it, if it he was w- a mistake or, or something like that. Like it was attributed to like a line of something that began with his work. So here, so here's a little uh, little interesting factoid about Harry Potter and uh, the, the how, you know, people who read and are fans of the books and stuff might know that while here in these great United States, it's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. In the UK, it's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. The reason why it was switched is because publishers thought that Philosopher's Stone doesn't really have the same like meaning in the US as it does in the UK because a Philosopher's Stone is like, I don't want to say it's like a thing, but it's like, that's like some sort of like, again, myth or legend that is like pretty popular in Europe. That's already a story people, about the Philosopher's Stone. People yeah. know what the Philosopher's Stone is. It is something that can you can use to make the elixir of life, which makes you live forever. Um, and it can also be used to uh, create pure gold, which in Harry Potter, it does. So Nicholas Fumel is, you know, just a bowler. Just almost 700 years old and, you know, super wealthy. He's uh, French. He went to Beauxbatons Academy, Academy of Magic. Okay. Uh, which we find out about uh, Goblet of Fire. Another difference, I think, in the movie, in the movie's uh, Goblet of Fire, here's a quick difference. They kind of hinted that Beauxbatons was an all-girls school and uh, Durmstrang is an all-boys school. Did they not? Am I totally blind in that? They totally did. Are you, but they're not. They're both co-ed. You're, that's interesting, though, because they only come over with the women in like the little carriage. And yeah. then they only come over with the men in the Durmstrang ship. I, yeah. And the Durmstrang uh, you know, headmaster is a man, and the Bobaton headmistress is a, is a mistress. So she's also a giant. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's like th- that's just like one little difference. But he went to Bobaton. He's French. Uh, he's the only known person to make the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, and he was born in the 1300s. It's kind of all we have. We also know that he was obviously friends with 
uh, Albus Dumbledore mm-hmm. uh, up until this point. And they met when they were younger, which just shows you how much of a stud Dumbledore was that like this guy is arguably, you know, the the freaking Steve Jobs or, or whatever <laughs> of wizardry. He did it. He made he's the Thomas Edison or the Nikola Tesla. He invented the thing that inarguably is the most important invention ever. Uh, and who's he buddying up with but a young Albus Dumbledore? It's unbelievable. Because at that point, he was already like freaking 600 years old. He'd met so many people. The fact that like at a certain point, you have to just imagine he's bored of, of certain people. Where well, it's like, you know, he's seen you before. He's still got his wife, who's also said to be 658. Mm-hmm. By the way, is she a notable witch or anything like that? Or Not is she really. just like just coattailing the fact that she gets to live with the guy that is the stone and reaps the benefits? I remember her. I think I remember her name is uh, like perennial or something like that, which I was like, oh, clever. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> there you go. Forever. That's what her name is. But interesting that multiple people can use the stone. It's not like a one off deal. Yeah. And it's interesting, that, too, that they, you know, I don't know what the politics are with the stone or anything <laughs> like that, but. <laughs> I'm right. sure more than one person has been like, hey, give me some of that life juice, baby. Like, like how many movies are there where it's like, it's too powerful. We must destroy it. I'll give you, I'll tell you how many. Every movie. Transformers, okay. Avengers, we got to destroy it. The Allspark. Okay. So that was kind of the casting question, even though we never even really meet Nicholas mm-hmm. Lamel in the movies. So no one was ever casted. Uh, so let's hit the end of the chapter discussion questions here. Um, we This one's going to be quick, but. Because we talked about it before on previous podcasts, um, as it's happened in previous chapters, uh, Harry continues to have these weird dreams. This one more in particular before it's also involved um, imagery of Professor Quirrell's turban, like strangling him. But mm-hmm. basically he keeps saying the night his parents were murdered and the green flash and Voldemort laughing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just confirming on this, is this all just side effects of him and Voldemort have the shared blood and whatever and the, his the scar? He's a piece of Voldemort's soul, yeah. So this is an active psychological warfare happening from Voldemort messing with Harry? This is not. So in – I dude, I always confuse books uh, four, five, and six – or really just five and six of you know the order. But this is what, – what, what's the, the book that uh, – where, where – Snape teaches Harry how to be a legilimens. It's five because to. that's when he saves Mr. Weasley. And, exactly. Yeah. So that that's uh, Order of the Phoenix. So basically, uh, in Order of the Phoenix, we learned that you know Dumbledore's figured out that Harry and uh, Voldemort do have like a connection uh, via their minds, and that as of now, Voldemort is unaware that they have that connection. Later on, Voldemort puts two and two together when Harry essentially utilizes it. To save Mr. Weasley's life, he's like, oh, this motherfucker is peeking. Um, that's actually literally what he says in the book. Um, and then, <laughs> but uh, up to this point, he is unaware. So Harry is confused what's happening. He thinks he's just prone to nightmares. And Voldemort <laughs> is doesn't realize that he's giving Harry nightmares, although I'm sure he's not really pissed off about that. There's so, nothing terrifying about the night. The night. <laughs> Death, you are my bitch lover. <laughs> Okay, so he wakes up from there. That's uh, a clip, by the way, Hen. <laughs> Later, some um, hijinks happen with Neville. He jumps into the Gryffindor common room, and his legs are stuck together. Mm-hmm. Can you please, just for the sake of imagery, tell me what's going on here? Is it basically just like someone just tied like a bolo around his legs, and he can't? He's jumping around, or is it like his legs are locked into a specific position, and he's been dragging himself? So as I've only read the books, and they don't really show this so much in the movie, I don't believe. I don't really know exactly what it is, but I'm fairly certain just from knowing the books so well what 
these generally things look like. And it definitely is sort of like a rope, like an imaginary rope binding around his legs. That's definitely <laughs> what it is. It does not matter at all. I just needed it for sake of the image. Yeah. I love, I love young Neville. Sexy Neville, I'm still coming to terms with. Mm. Young Neville just had the world in front of him. I loved him so much. <laughs> oh, I, love, I, love, I love young Neville, too. Courage um, is Gryffindor. I just alluded to it earlier. Snape is officiating this Quidditch match now. Uh, for what reason? Uh, I have no idea. Maybe Madam Hooch uh, was sent off to the Sahara Desert, as that has been known to happen to Quidditch officials. Mm -hmm. uh, and by the way, nobody is saying Snape is incapable of flying around and doing his best out there. Mm -hmm. He's arguably a top five uh, wizard all time, maybe top four, top mm -hmm. three. Uh, but why in the hell would the potions master ever be involved with the athletics? How out of nowhere is he officiating an interleague squad? Again, this is just, you know, we already had our chapter <laughs> going over Quidditch, but this is really just another example of like JK Rowling does not give a fuck about <laughs> sports or sports structure. Like if you're going to have a, a replacement ref, like the NFL did a few years ago, few seasons ago you have someone who is at least the jv squad yes at least someone who is undefined like undoubtedly unbiased we bring someone in with england who officiates amateur matches and he's going to be yeah he's the uh, replacement deal even the most naive of professors would would be like snape is pretty biased towards his house having him ref this match i can't believe mcgonagall wasn't thrown throwing a hissy fit this is like Get Filch to do it. This is like, did you ever play a baseball game where all of a sudden, you know, you've been kicking dirt for the last 30 minutes and it's like, oh, umpire didn't make it. And it's like, okay, yeah. the other team's dad's going to do it. Yeah. And I'm sure the guy did his best but the whole time. I'm like, uh, no, he, his son's batting second. Fuck that. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing balls and strikes with this guy. You're going to let do that freaking the Slytherin guy who was Slytherin up six points fly around? Dude, my dad, Big Mike O'Shea, would a couple of times, he he kind of stepped up when like a ump was missing. And <laughs> I'm sure he gave you just a gigantic strike zone. I'm sure he was calling shit in the dirt, especially just hard on you, right? Dude, it was exactly. It <laughs> yeah. was so hard on me. The strike zone essentially became the size of like, like, a, like a can <laughs> when I was pitching. Because it was when I, I was, I remember pitching and I remember literally looking at my dad being like, I don't know what issues we got back home, <laughs> but I'm putting this one. I'm painting the friggin' edge with this guy. Take a hike. Michael Shea, who's the greatest guy I know is also a lawyer. This yeah. man has the greatest sense for right and wrong in the world. He was not going to let anyone think he was giving you any kind of edge. He I'm was sure. so he concerned was... with people <laughs> were like thinking about favoritism. Like he, he, like I just remember literally pitching being like, I just struck this motherfucker out in three pitches, yet it's somehow two and one. Are you kidding me, Pops? And and that's, you know, kind of, the, it's the opposite of what happened with Snape. Obviously, he was uh, a little, little bit biased, but also, obviously, you know, Snape don't control the snitch. And this is just another example of why, like, it should be two people on the field, both seekers. Yeah, there we go. Harry caught it in five minutes. The game's over. Done. Uh, I'm sure everybody's super pumped. They, they spent, you know, three hours getting to the, the grounds. Sorry for derailing us there, but I just, it, I like read that and I was like, you're kidding me here. Why, why, how, who? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another discussion point here. Hilarious to see as uh, Harry comes and breaks the news to Ron and Hermione that Snape is going to be the guy officiating the match. They start just throwing suggestions at him. Mm -hmm. And Hermione's like, you should pretend to break your leg. And then mm -hmm. Ron's like, you should really break your leg. Honestly, break it. <laughs> this, that was just so classic. Again, Ron being my freaking guy. Like I can remember back to like freshman year of like high school football hell week. This mm -hmm. is how you made friends on the sideline was yeah. conversations like this where it's like, honestly, dude, 
I think if we really if it really came to it, I'd let you run over my leg with your car. I mean, it's four to six weeks in a cast. Dude. Some time in a walking boot, maybe some physical therapy, and I'm good. I'm back after the sprints are done. One <laughs> trick that I never utilized in life, but I should have utilized it more, I'm sure I did at certain points, was my nose. I'm just stepping on a water bottle. Oh. That's why you have that really crinkly <laughs> sound. My nose, like I've broken my nose a few times, and if you like, if I push it a little bit too hard in one way, I just have like a gushing nosebleed. <laughs> I should have, I should, should still use that to get out of so much stuff. <laughs> totally. People totally like, forgive a nosebleed. <laughs> I, I can't be here. I'm bleeding. <laughs> are you kidding? And then, and they're not worried about you too. They're not like, Oh my God, are you okay? It's just like, Oh my God, go, go get out of here. It's like, if, you're, if it's like, if you're like, someone's towing my car, Oh God, get out of here. <laughs> You know, um, and that's what if if I was here in that situation. Well, if I was here in that situation, I'd still play the the freaking game because I'm a fucking gamer. Uh, but Harry eventually turns down all of this advice because uh, he's a gamer. Because he's an absolute gamer, and because as he points out, Gryffindor does not have a reserve seeker. Mm, good point. <laughs> I'll take us back to last chapter until freaking two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Until he made some who was the plan? Grab. Who was the what was the plan with the one position that matters that would make Charlie Weasley or not Charlie Weasley. Uh, Oliver Wood say this is the best team they've had in years. Yeah. <laughs> Ollie. What are we talking about? What the fuck are you saying? <laughs> Was okay. Percy Weasley going to be the backup? <clears throat> Come on. <laughs> my voice. I am doing my best. All right. Um, uh, okay. In this chapter, by the way, this is the first time we really hear about the Sorcerer's Stone because it's been all hush-hush. We've heard it back and forth from Hagrid and different stuff going here and there, but we really haven't heard anything about it. So this is the first time I want to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um you just said Nicholas Hamel has been the only person to ever uh, create the stone. But they basically, like as you kind of alluded to, it almost sounds like there's been a history of multiple stones. Like in the UK, there's this legend of mm-hmm. this thing. Although Nicholas Hamel is the only one ever known to make mm-hmm. it. Though yeah. there's this like, you know what I mean? It's that yeah, it's totally. confusing. Is this is Nicholas uh, Flamel's stone the only stone ever, or what's the what's the deal there? It's the only stone ever. So it's man-made, and Nicholas Hamel is the only one who made it. So I think it's less like, I think it's less that, you know, people really know it can be made and more just since he made this stone that can make you live forever and make pure gold, people assume that other people can, but they just haven't been able to figure it out. It's more like he, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, but he just sort of like created this thing. Like the, there, people are acting like there's multiple philosopher stones where it's like, you know, but they're not. I must sound retarded. Sorry for saying retarded. <laughs> no, it's I don't know if that's not PC, but like, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like he, he invented this thing. It's not like a, like a, a, something that there's a recipe for. He invented something that no one else has been able to invent. And maybe he doesn't even know. Maybe he accidentally did it, but like, <laughs> it, it, it's just like this thing, <laughs> you know, I, I completely, cause it was the most confusing thing. It's like, although it's like this famous freaking thing, mm-hmm. there's only one and it's this one. I, I mean, it's confusing. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is very confusing. But I guess, to your point, as it's like, like cause saying, this famed legend. Saying that it, there's only one makes it sound like that in the past there's been more, but there's only ever been one. But then, it, but the, before it existed, it sounded like the legend already existed. Do you, you know what I mean? I know it's, what you mean. Yeah. I, I, my, I'm guessing it didn't. I'm guessing it was just like before it existed, people weren't really talking about it. And then he made it and they called it the Velocifer's Stone. They're like, oh, what, what, do, you, what's, what do you call this? <laughs> I think I'm calling it the life crystal. Eh, not really good ring to it. I like gold rock. Nope. Philosopher's stone. No, that sounds it does smart more. It's and not British. Just 
and then quick too is it just the gold ass like uh i always was a little confused on the resurrection stone i know i'm mm -hmm. jumping six books here for sure what's the difference but what is exactly the difference i guess the one keeps you alive for forever and the the resurrection stone brings already dead people back so and they don't really bring them back back they bring them back for like a really sad depressing conversation yeah. in the woods so <laughs> so god that chapter makes me cry so I'll, I'll admit that on my first read of book seven i was super confused about the difference between the resurrection stone and the philosopher's stone because they seemed to me like i was like i was unsure if they were different things or if they were the exact same thing but we were some reason for some reason calling it like a different yeah. name um, but they are two different things. They work in very similar uh, manners and also even more confusing. They're both stones and they're the only two stones in the series. And they both have something to do with keeping people alive and bringing back to life. So the confusion is real. So here's, here's sort of the best way to put it. The philosopher's stone is an artificial stone. that's used to create the elixir of life and transform any metal into pure gold. The resurrection stone is, uh, is not necessarily man-made per se, as much as it's like, I guess, death-made or depending on whether or not you believe that myth. I don't know. But uh, it brings back spirits from the dead. But uh, the people that are being brought back are pretty much always unhappy to be back and like taken away from their afterlife. Uh, and that the spirits that are brought back are sort of like halfway between a ghost and human. So they're not, they're not like fully solid but they're also not like a ghost where they can like i don't know if they can go through walls or anything like that like they're there yeah but they're also not like you know eating food you know yeah. what i mean yeah yeah so it, so they're slightly so the, the philosopher's stone and the resurrection stone are very different they're confusingly similar but they're also very different uh the so philosopher's stone keeps you alive uh resurrection stones brings you back from brings you back to life from death I explain that, that well. Totally. Yeah. I was just mm -hmm. gonna say I asked you to navigate some some tough waters there, and you you did so masterfully. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, I also just uh, I'm hoping that the listeners are taking this whole podcast with a grain of salt. Well, I'm I'm really hurt. I'm I'm coming back to an absolute just softball here. Some BP here for you. Uh, this chapter tries to dress up Neville as an idiot. Uh, mm -hmm. As we go into the Quidditch match, Malfoy is shown given uh, the big crew shit, uh, saying. Uh, basically the common thread between all members of the Gryffindor Quidditch team is that they don't have anything. And mm -hmm. it's that Harry doesn't have any parents, which is always the most creative of the jabs. Just uh, a sick fucking <laughs> mean tease that no one. Uh, Ron doesn't have any money. And then he says, Neville, you should go out. For, or no, not Ron, that the Weasleys don't have any money. Mm. says, Neville, you should be on the team. You don't have any brains. I like that. That's good. In my Rule of threes comedy. <laughs> In my mind... I always kind of thought Ron is kind of the goofy, not so smart guy. Mm -hmm. Neville, Neville, he's a klutzy kid, mm -hmm. but I didn't think he was stupid. Like, mm -hmm. you know, in the fourth one, they give him an herbology nod. He knew mm -hmm. about gillyweed. Yeah. He brings shit to the table. He's a plant guy. <laughs> he's a botanist, if you will. Yeah, no, I mean, Neville... So you're saying like how how yeah, so like, smart like, is Neville really? Like basically in this one right out of the gate, they're trying to tell us Neville's the dummy. It, mm -hmm. Like in the movies, I never got that read on it. Is that pretty much the case though? He's not. He definitely has trouble with a lot of things. So I I know that a, a lot of uh, he's not Hermione. He's not able to just you know immediately pick up on knowledge or also read his way out of like you know certain homework assignments and stuff. He's a you know a klutzy clumsy kid. Mm -hmm. A lot of his lack of magical skill isn't that he can't understand the concept of it but more that 
you know, we learned that his wand isn't like one that chose him. He didn't get an olive honors wand shop. It was handed down to him from, I believe, either his father or his uncle. So it's not like his wand. So it yeah. doesn't act perfectly with him. Ron and Neville are two sort of different people. Like Ron is pretty, pretty street smart, not very book smart. Right. Neville is like somewhat book smart. There's certain topics that he's like pretty sound at. He's also, you know, his story is just, you know, one of, you know, being completely misread, mistreated, sort of like overlooked by people. He's so scared of Snape that there was no way he was ever going to do well in that class. He's so clumsy that he, like, things, you know, blow up in front of him. But he's not, not, like, stupid, you know what I mean? Neville embodies a very specific type of kid. I went to school with many, many, many Nevilles. I know many Nevilles. All great Nevilles. I love them all. They're good people. They're guys (laughs) who, literally before the test, are like, I'm looking at them like, man, they're going to freaking crush this i'm gonna fail this test and then we get it back and i have like a b plus and he fails and it's like the kid just choked under pressure <laughs> they threw one word at him that he didn't understand and he couldn't figure it out meanwhile you look over at what he's scribbling in his notebook and it's like well geez man yeah what, what are you drawing there those are the, it's this, yeah. a freaking 60 page comic book and it's like get out of here get out of here your talent you, you you're a star <laughs> you just, we just need to focus this energy harnessing into something constructive uh okay so that's a rare cheaper by the dozen quote. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that is fantastic. Cheaper by the dozen quote. Mm. Um, Ron and Malfoy. Uh, this is uh, something I said, I've been saying I'm going to do anytime there's an awesome moment that mm. happens in the books that they don't do in the movies. I'm going to celebrate it. Uh, Ron and Neville get into a fight with Malfoy and his goons, Crab and Goyle. Uh, Ron gives Malfoy a black eye and, and gets pretty uh, a bloody nose from it. And can, can be seen cheering from the Gryffindor section, bloodied up for Harry. And then Neville said got knocked out, but basically took on Crab and Goyle by himself. Love that shit. I dig my boys. Yeah. And this is happening at the game. I can see this all playing out perfectly. Hooligans. When this thing gets made into a miniseries, this scene is going to resonate with the people. By the way, <laughs> just so people know that when he says miniseries, what we are planning on doing is at some point just Game of Thrones seeing the son of a bitch <laughs> with HBO. Each episode is going to basically take up like 25 to 50 pages Kind of what we're doing right here, except mm-hmm. we're going to really, it's going to be gritty. It's going to be real. We're going to show things exactly how, how they were written in the book, and I'm really excited. Someone's going to make it, Jack. Why wouldn't it be us? Why wouldn't it be us? It should be us. Because we're kind of American. <laughs> Here's my one rule. I'm playing Remus Lupin, my favorite character. <laughs> I'd be a pretty funny-looking Remus Lupin. Not really what people are picturing. <laughs> Having Well, hang on. Is Remus Lupin a cop? You- <laughs> You as uh, Remus Lupin in school, maybe a little goofy. You as Remus Lupin Mooney ro- roaming the countryside yeah, <laughs> with blood in your mouth. You'd be a tremendous werewolf, Jack. I would be a great You've werewolf. you got the frame for it. I have the frame of a werewolf. I do not have the frame of a, a sickly teacher. <laughs> Since when does Lupin have a buzz cut? You look like my ninth grade bully okay so once again ron and neville just guys being the mans uh okay uh and I, okay then we go and do the snape and quarrel thing mm-hmm. i always thought this when i went back and rewatched the movies and i think it now so this scene was accomplished both uh as i alluded to earlier um it happens in the forest in this one in the movies it happens in the hallway yeah but basically snape just says to quarrel you know uh like he basically questions his allegiances. Mm-hmm. And at the time, ba- from Harry's eyes, you view this as, 
oh, he's trying to get Quirrell so he can get past the freaking thing. Yeah. He, he needs Quirrell, not Quirrell's the bad guy. Let's go back and do this whole goddamn timeline. At the end of the first movie, I already know this, and we already know this because it was talked about, even though not specifically what he was doing, but the night that the troll was let in, we saw Snape going somewhere else. If freaking we know that Harry's broom was being jinxed out of absolute nowhere, and Snape freaking had him at the scene of the crime trying to get into the dogs because that's mm-hmm. how he scraped his freaking leg in the first place. Mm-hmm. We got this guy caught. What are we doing? We have this guy caught. This is an open and shut case. I don't. I just don't get it. I don't know what Dumbledore was thinking. I don't know what what, what sort of long con he was playing. But and we knew to be suspicious because we knew there was a guy coming for it because we took it out of Gringotts. And the thing is, like, I don't want Big Brother. Okay, I don't want like an. <laughs> like an, a military government or anything like that. But like if Dumbledore had just been like, Quirrell is a fuck boy. I'm going to see what's under his turban. Yeah. Cause clearly <laughs> he's guilty of something. What would have happened was they would have one gotten Voldemort right there or two, maybe Voldemort would have done that sort of like ghost escape thing. He does. I'm guessing Dumbledore <laughs> would have been able to catch him. <laughs> you know, the scene in the fourth one where uh, it's the, uh, uh, in the graveyard where there are others. Yeah, of course. That, that whole thing. And they come in, they sit Kill him down, and they polyjuice potion him up in mm-hmm. the freaking thing. And they have basically an interrogation scene mm-hmm. with Barty Crouch Jr. Mm-hmm. How has this not already happened with Coral? I have no idea. I don't know. With what, what, do you, what, do they, what do they give him basically to make him tell the truth? Uh, in Veritas Serum? Is that what it is? Yeah. I think it is. Freaking that. Veritas Serum. Well, let me look it up and see if I. In Veritas. But yeah, as, as you start putting all the pieces together and Snape's involvement, like and I, basically I, I've just been going back. I rewatched the movie every like three chapters just so mm-hmm. I know that I'm getting everything right here. Um, but that whole last speech, you're like, so if Snape's been on to you then from the get go, what are we talking about? This thing should have been wrapped up. Quirrell should have been as fucking an ass man prison. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I, hey, New Heisel, I agree. I don't know. I'm getting upset. I'm getting upset. But that's because this chapter is all new information to me. Again, in the movie, this is Hermione slamming a book down and and then Harry being like, that's what it's guarding. That's what, yeah. and that whole freaking thing. And then that's it. As is the next chapter, by the way. The, the uh, next chapter is also going to be a little bit, not really slow, but just sort of not like gripping. Yeah. And, and then we get into the good stuff, right? Then after that, we have... Then we go Forbidden Forest, so we get just a little of the time with... Uh, we see the figure eating the unicorn and the we, whole the we, unicorn's blood thing. We'll talk centaurs then, yeah. and then we have, after that... We got Through the Door, and then we got the man with two faces. Man, dude, Through the Door is going to be really cool, because we're going to go through each of the steps that yeah. they go through. So, by the way, also cool, and I, I don't know, as now we've, I'm kind of getting ahead in the book, if that's more this chapter or next chapter's information. Mm. But it was interesting to me that uh, basically, and we'll... We'll talk about this more next chapter because now as I talk it out, I think it definitely is next chapter. But that each professor basically had a hand in hiding the Sorcerer's Stone. They do. Yeah. Each professor did their own, like, make it something that you can pass. Which is interesting, too, because it's like, we'll get into that. We'll get get into that. But the idea of of having a puzzle for each person that, I mean, (laughs) evidently... A bunch of first years. Yeah, it's, I was just going to say, it's a, it's a fucking are you smarter than a fifth grader test where it's everything. It's like, oh, fucking devil snare. Not since I was 10 years old have I heard the words devil snare. Like, what do you do? Like, like, <laughs> can we just actually acknowledge that? Like, sure, Hermione, <laughs> Harry, and Ron, there's some special people. They happen, they're very slumdog millionaire, millionaire themselves too, where it's like, you know, Ron happens to be really good at wizard's chess. What are the odds that the board game that they were going to play would be the one that he's really good at? But 
like after this whole thing happened, they had <laughs> to to go through, you know, the 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 teachers in in the teachers lounge be like, they got through that quick. <laughs> they beat mine and all of our our puzzles. Maybe we should like actually take this seriously next time that we're trying to hide the elixir of life. The funniest conversation there would be the one they have with Snape. Because isn't that the logic potions one? Wouldn't that nec- technically be I the one I think it that was. Dude, the logic one, that, and that's like, something we'll really get into that. But basically... <laughs> you here, think you're fucking clever? So, so here, here's <laughs> just what I'm going to say for the people who haven't read the books or who have. But the logic puzzle, I love logic puzzles. I like doing them for fun. So I, I love every time I read that chapter, just the, the hilarity of it to me is it is such an easy logic puzzle and we'll break it down step by step and we'll walk through how simple it really is. Cause basically what the thing is, is like, there's like seven cups, a few of them are poison. A few of them are nothing. One of them lets you go through the door and the one, that, and, the, and the, the logic puzzle is like this long poem. And at the end of it, it's basically like, it's the middle one, drink the middle one and you're good to go. It's like just, just the most half-assed thing ever. I love it. <laughs> I'm hurting. Let's end this thing. I'm, I'm hurting. <laughs> Well, Tornado's Pod again. We'll see you on uh, Thursday for Chapter 14, Norbert, the Norwegian Ridgeback. Let's hit that music. Alohomora. Perfect. Oh, my God, dude. Thought you were leaving without saying goodbye, did you?